You know, when Matthew gives his account of the Christmas story, uh, he reports that the response to the arrival of the new king was not exactly celebrated by the masses in the streets. Listen to what he says. He says that what happens is the political parties that were in charge uh, had a pretty hateful response to the arrival of this king. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Matthew recounts, of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and they quote Micah, O you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. But after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasures. They offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they were warned then in a dream not to return to Herod. And they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, You better get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet that out of Egypt I called my son. Well, then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, then was fulfilled. What was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping, loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. Boy, you think of the Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Well, it wasn't still for very long because that little town became the site of a, a horrific killing spree of all the baby boys who were two years of age and younger. You know, it's 
important to understand that Jesus was born into a very violent, systemically unjust and hate-filled world. We need to know that. We need to know that this is where he came. In fact, it's worse than you would see with the naked eye. The Apostle John tells us in the book of Revelation, he opens up the curtain to another layer of the Christmas story and what was happening in the unseen world. And what John exposes to us to is a diabolical hatred that is pretty chilling. Listen to his account in Revelation 12. It says, Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. What amazing picture that is. And it begs the question, doesn't it? Why would God send his son into such a violent world, a hate-filled world like ours? So, you know, it was only a couple months ago uh, at this intersection right here on Corner Park in Ashland, Ohio, that I drove through the intersection and experienced something I'd never experienced before living in Ashland for 36 some years. And uh, on one corner, there were all kinds of President Trump supporters with, with banners and flags. And, and then on the other corner, there were Vice President Biden's uh, supporters and flags and banners. And then on the third corner, there were a number of Black Lives Matter protesters. And it was very interesting as I pulled through this intersection, you could feel the tension. And it was nothing like they felt on the streets of the larger cities in our country. But you know, we, we walked into it and we sensed this level of tension like never before. And if you caught any of the news at all, you lived in this and you felt it. In fact, it was interesting. I, I, I caught a quote from a, an, an author named Dennis Rushkoff. He wrote a book called Present Shock, When Everything Happens Now. And he was talking about the news feeds and the news that you and I all watch every day and what it does to us. He says the news age that we live in, the blatant shock is the only surefire strategy for gaining viewers. So the news is trying to go, you've got to see this. This is an alert. You've got to watch this. Cable news feeds collective panic, he says and outrage becomes good business for the newsmakers who keep our collective stress levels high enough to maintain a constant fight or flight urgency. 
So what he's saying is if we get a steady diet of watching the news, the news is coming at us, coming at us, and it keeps us in this fight or flight state all the time. No wonder we're so tense. No wonder there's so much tension in our lives and in the community. You know, it reminds me of uh, Henry Longfellow's famous Christmas carol, you'll hear it sung throughout the season. And it says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And it sounds so hollow. And it did to Henry Longfellow as well because when you listen, the song continues and said, But in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. But today I want to tell you, I have good news. Merry Christmas. Christ has come. He's come into our world. He has come as love in the hate. Behold, it's Christmas. And we have to ask the question again, why did he come into our violent, systemically unjust, hate-filled world? So again, the question, why did God send his son into this mess? Well, you know what scripture tells us? It's because he loves us. Yes, love came into the hate. Uh, J.B. Phillips uh, wrote some things and he imagines what the angels might be talking about as they saw the son of God come to earth. You know, the angels do watch this and they wonder J.B. Phillips says, well, imagines a couple angels going through the galaxies and they come into our galaxy and then see our sun and, and the planets revolving around. And a senior angel says to the little angel, hey, that one little planet there, you should take note of that one. And he says, I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, says the little angel. What's so special about that one? His superior explained that that little planet was the one that was called the renowned visited planet. And the, little, the lesser angel said, do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Do you mean to tell me, he says, that he stooped so low to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? And the senior angel says, I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem, he loves them. 
He went down to visit them, to lift them up to become like him. So why? Love came down at Christmas. Why? Well, because he chose to. You know, this is an amazing thing to us that comes out in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, God is love. And it says, in this, the love of God was made manifest, or it was shown among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. See, look, God initiated this. It wasn't us calling for him to love us. It, what, we weren't interested in him at all. He initiated the relationship from start to finish. In fact, later on in John chapter 4, it says, we love only because he first loved us. See, this is so strange for us. We don't understand that kind of love for us because we're people who always think we need to attract love. We need to earn love. We need to go negotiate love. And, and God comes along and very clearly says, no, I have loved you simply because I chose to love you. It's who I am. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And then it goes on to say, he rules the world. This is the God who rules the world. He rules the world in truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. He loved us just because he chose to. And you go, man, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that kind of love. Are you sure? Could you prove it? He proved it on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says, And God demonstrated his, you ever wonder about God's love? He demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand what that means? While we were still sinners, See, why we were not lovable. See, in this whole relationship with God, we were the haters and he was the lover. See, our hearts toward God, we're born separated from God. We're like sheep going astray. If we're honest with ourselves in our own hearts, we don't like God weighing in. Well, you know what God says about that? You know what God says about a sexual ethic? You know what God says about what to do with your life? You know what God says? We go, wait a second, man. You know, give me some space, God. I'm not interested. At the core of our being, we really don't want to hear what God has to say. Look, I'll call you if I need you, but in our heart of hearts, we're running our own lives. We're deciding what we believe is right and true and good. And that's who we were. You know, you, you know somebody that's really hard to love? You can probably think of someone. And you know, no matter what you do, they're grouchy, they're cantankerous, it's never enough, their expectations are ridiculous. And you go, you know what? This person is just plain hard to love. Well, guys, that was us multiplied by millions. And so understand when it says God demonstrated his love for us why we were sinners. He died for us is a stunning thing to understand. Max Lucado puts it this way. Let him love you 
If God was willing to wrap himself in rags and drink from a mother's breast, then all questions about his love for you are off the table. You might question his actions, his decisions, or declarations, but you can never, ever question his zany, stunning, unquenchable affection. The moment Mary touched God's face is the moment God made his case. There is no place he will not go. If he is willing to be born in a barnyard, then expect him to be at work anywhere, in a bar, the bedrooms, the boardrooms, the brothels. No place is too common. No person is too hardened. No distance is too far. There is no person he cannot reach. There's no limit to his love. So when we talk about celebrating Christmas and God loves us, this love came into the hate. This is a stunning thing. He chose to do this. And he proved he was serious. This is serious, strong love by his death on the cross for us. Which is why and how Christmas can be so radically transforming for us. Because if you embrace Christ as Savior, then all of a sudden for the first time we can love others. We can love others. We say, how? Well, see, if, if we turn from our sin and hatred and hostility toward God, and we turn from that and embrace Him as our Savior, as the one who died for our sins while we were still in our sins, then we're given life. We're given life. 1 John chapter 4 talks about what happens to someone who's, well, born of God. It says this, Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Listen, if you're born of God, then you know God, and for the first time in your life, you can really love in any situation. And you say, well, why should I love? If I'm loved from God and I love Him, why should I love? Listen, because we can. We love because we, we can. We no longer have to respond when we get evil for evil. You know, you know, evil for evil. We don't have to get revenge anymore. We don't have to stay bitter anymore. We don't have to stay angry. We don't have to say, I'm going to get even with them. No, we're free to love. It's an exhilarating thing. We don't have to wait to be loved by others and how come nobody pays attention? No, we can initiate this because we've been loved by God and now we can love others. It's an am amazing opportunity that we have that God, that God gives us. You know, now you can buy a present for someone who you don't like. You can buy a present from someone that isn't going to buy one back for you. You're free. If you know the love of God and He is born in you, you are finally free to love. And besides, it's what we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to His disciples on the night before He was violently crucified, He said to His disciples, a commandment, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
Jesus says, wow, I loved you and you're going to love others the way I loved you. And then he says, by this man, all men are going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so if the love of Christ is in us and we're following him, we can love our families, we can love our spouses, we can love our children, we can love the people in our community, we can love our coworkers in a strong way, we can love the community, we can even love our enemies, Jesus said. Whoa! This is a powerful, powerful love. Here's part of our problem, the love that we typically typically try and sell and embrace in our culture is a very shallow, consumeristic, negotiated love. We need something stronger than that. The typical love, I'm reminded of, uh, the guy's name was uh, Wilbur Reese. And I read this years ago and, and I thought, wow, that really is a shallow love that many of us talk about and perpetuate. Here's what he said. He talks about, he says, I want to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. No, I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Listen, that kind of love going into the hate that we live in will never, ever make it. See, Henry Longfellow was right. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're old, familiar peace on earth, goodwill to men. But Longfellow said, wait a second, the hate is strong and it mocks those songs. It does, but listen, Christ's love is stronger. God's love in us is stronger. And this is what we can do and can be and are called to it. And you know, we desperately, the world is desperately craving for this. It's desperately looking for that kind of love. Jesus said that the world he was born into is the kind of world that we're going to be into. He says in John 15, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. So Jesus tells his followers, look, I'm sending you into a violent, systemically unjust, hate-filled world. But you have the love of God in you. And go out and love them. And you could do it with such strength to the glory of God. You know, I just came across a story of a police officer named Stephen McDonald. Stephen McDonald was a young police officer, 29 years of age, and he was on patrol in, the, in Central Park in New York City. He went up to three teenagers and were questioning them about the theft of a bicycle. At one point, one of the teenagers pulled a gun out and fired three shots into Steve McDonald. 
He lived but was paralyzed for the rest of his life. The story made news a second time when Steve McDonald came out publicly and said, I chose to forgive the young man that shot me. Just before he died in 2017, they came to him and asked him again about what was going on in his mind and how he chose to forgive this, this young man who left him paralyzed for the rest of his life. I want you to hear what he said. He said this, Looking back, pondering on my life since that time, it is clear to me that God was in charge. All he wanted was the opportunity to use me. He just needed my yes. And that was made possible by prayer. It's that simple, really. Through the family and friends that God put in my life and their prayers, God spoke to me and said, Will you love this boy who shot you? And the best way I could love him was to forgive him. Left to my own abilities, he says, I couldn't have done it. And I know that I would have died a long time ago had I not listened to God and said yes to God and followed the example of his son and loved and forgave. What you see here in that story is a man who decided that he was going to walk into a hate-filled, violent world and say, this is the sign I'm going to wear. My friends, at Christmas, I hope you're stunned by the wonders of God's love. He just chose to love us and proved it on the cross. And we have an opportunity to be born of God and for the first time in our lives be free to love others because we can and we're called to it. And the world desperately needs to see real, strong, true, tenacious love in the hate. If you want to talk about these things, please, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to contact you. There's a number on the screen. You can text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, and we'd love to pick up a conversation with you about what it means to be loved by God and to love others. Merry Christmas.